0: and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Arsenal return to Premier League action this weekend. Newcastle United are the visitors. And I'll tell you what, we owe them one, don't we? We're going to preview that fixture in full right here on the Chronicles of a Guna podcast. To the left-hand side for Vieira, who will play it through to Gabriel Jesus, who's in here for Arsenal. Gabriel Jesus to finish it off. Oh, what a way to do it! Gabriel Jesus seals the points for Arsenal. He's back and he's back with a bang. Into the penalty area it goes. Gabriel header and it's into the back of the net. Arsenal take an early lead through Gabriel. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the daily Arsenal podcast with me, Harry Simeon. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90-min football family with me, Harry Simiou. On this episode, we're going to be previewing that game against Newcastle United. Saturday, 8pm kickoff. Not sure how I feel about that. I suppose it means that I've got my Saturday free, but it also means that I'm going to spend the entirety of the day stressing about the game and and essentially feeling nervous when actually sometimes it's better to just wake up, get it done, get it out of the way and move on with your weekend. That's not going to be the case this weekend, of course, because uh, the 8pm kickoff, Yeah, it's a bit unorthodox on a Saturday, not used to it. I'll tell you who I really, really feel for. Now, I know that part of the reason that this game was moved from a 1230, which is what it was going to be, to an 8pm is because Arsenal were away in Europe on Wednesday night. So I know it kind of works to our advantage a little bit in that sense. But I really do feel for the Newcastle United supporters. You know, the football fan in me thinks it's incredibly unfair that they're going to be expected to try and travel home after an 8 p.m. kickoff on a Saturday night. In fact, they're not going to be able to, are they? They're going to have to stay down in London. And um, it, it just kind of shows you, doesn't it, like how much commitment there is from, you know, uh, some of these supporters that travel all over the place to get to games. And I know there there's commitment in other ways as well. I know there's other people that, you know, wake up at the crack of dawn or in the middle of the night uh, in different parts of the world to watch their team as well. And all of that is is something that I tip my hat to. But I really feel like in this case, you know, this is, I do know, we've said it for a while and N17 Gunner says it in the chat, football is for TV fans now. Um, it's been the case for a while yeah I mean the TV revenues are so big now that the clubs are always going to be okay with prioritizing that aren't they if you look at the revenue streams of a Premier League football club now the TV revenue certainly outweighs the gate receipts and that never used to be the case but as time's gone on that's how it's kind of panned out and so TV audiences take priority now over match going fans and I know um that upsets people. And I know that it's a controversial subject and I don't really know what the answer is or what the solution is. And to be honest with you, like, am I going to sit and lose sleep over the Newcastle fans? No, of course I'm not. Um, you know, I, I, I wanted to mention it because I think the football fan in me has to. Um, but you know, I think we've got bigger things to worry about, bigger problems, uh, to worry about. And, um, and we should be focused on the game uh, above anything else. Uh, let me say a few hellos to you. Uh, big hello to Brian, who joins us from New York. Uh, we've got Kai, uh, who's joining us. Fuad is with us. Money Ain't is joining us. Zaludenko joins us from the Czech Republic. We've got Derek, who's over in Australia. Uh, we've got Zed Tom, who I had the pleasure of meeting last night. Good to see you, my friend. Uh, Kamar Razak is joining us from Ghana. Um, Zed Tom says... Good show yesterday evening with the TGT panel, Harry. Nice to meet you in person. Mate, the pleasure was all mine. And a, a big shout out to Tom um, over at the Guna Talk TV because he put on yet another fantastic live event. It was amazing. Um, great to meet so many of you. Um, great to to speak to you guys. And, and I'm really, really thankful to Tom uh, for inviting me to be on the panel. Uh, it was myself. Uh, the brilliant Tim Stillman, uh, Laura Kirk, Francis, who's also bloody brilliant, um, and of course James Green from Sky, who's a really really good friend, and, and he's just he's just fantastic, isn't he? Um, for those of you asking what time Mikel is speaking, he's due to speak now as we are live, uh, but unfortunately my schedule today is so jam packed that I had to record this or stream this this morning. Uh, I won't be able to do it later on in the day, so I wanted to get this out now, and I know that a lot of you. Won't be with us live because you'll probably be listening to Mikel. And I admit and appreciate that he's probably a lot more uh, interesting to listen to than I am. Uh, but the truth is, is Mikel going to tell us much about the team? No, he's not. Um, that's my guess. That's my hunch. I might be proven wrong. I might have egg on my face. But no, Mikel Arteta he's going to say, yeah, we're hoping to have some more players back. They've got one more training session. We're going to see where we're at. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> OK, this game. Newcastle United. It is a must-win game. Every game now, especially at home, especially against the sides that you're expected to beat, looking at their league position, you need to, you need to be, um, you know, you need to be taking all three points. There's, there's nothing else that is acceptable under these circumstances. You have to be taking all three points. And as I mentioned right at the top of the show, we own Newcastle one. They came to the Emirates last season and they absolutely shithoused the life out of us. They sat behind the ball. They soaked up pressure. They wasted time. Um, It it was the complete opposite, actually, of what I'd come to expect from an Eddie Howe team over the years. They seem to have kind of added that to their kind of armory. And I'm not going to be too critical of them, per se, for doing it, because I think it's almost an acknowledgement of the fact that Arsenal are the better football team. It's almost Eddie Howe kind of admitting that we are a better side than them. And the only way he can level the playing field is, is to, you know, apply some of the dark art. So that should be taken by us as a bit of a compliment. But my God, it is the most frustrating thing to watch. And I guess the thing that kind of concerns me going into this game is that I knew that Newcastle would probably turn up and play in a certain way. And I'm pretty confident that that will be the case. I know that they're going to try and implement certain strategies in order to run the clock down, disrupt Arsenal's flow, try and impact Arsenal's rhythm, all of that. I'm expecting it. Where I think Newcastle could be better this time, stronger this time, and I know they've got injuries. I've I've heard this morning, Eddie Howe, say that Alexander Isak and, and Willaker are close, which is obviously positive news for them. Whether they'll be fit enough for the game or not, I don't know. But the thing that concerns me is, is that on Wednesday night, I'm sure Eddie Howe would have sat down and watched Arsenal's trip to Porto. And I think although we talked about the Housery and the dark arts and the disruption of the flow and the way that they um, tried to make sure that the ball was hardly in play and when it was, they kept wanting to stop it and, and impact on that side of things. I think Tim Stillman used the, 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 the quote, they junked the game up, which I quite liked. I'm going to nick that. Uh, cheers to him. Um, but he said that Porto had, did a really, had done a really good job of junking the game up. And that is what Newcastle are going to do. I'm, I'm certain of that. But I also think if you scratch beneath the surface and you look a bit deeper, Porto tactically were very, very good as well. Now, we mentioned it on the post-match show that I did with Tariq, where I talked about the spaces in between the lines, Porto's... Ability to close those spaces, minimalize those spaces, and then at the same time, which I think is a really difficult thing to do, but somehow they nailed it, cut off the supply into those spaces. And if Eddie Howe needed a tactical blueprint of how to take on Arsenal and how to, um, you know, make sure that you have the maximum amount of protection available in the areas in which Arsenal like to hurt you, all he has to do is watch that game back. couple of times because he'll be able to pick it out his staff will be able to pick it out and I expect a lot of the same principles to be applied against us on Saturday night now does that mean that we can't win the game no does the fact that we're at home change it a little bit yeah of course it does because when we were away from home it felt like the referee I'm not going to say he was I'm not going to start saying referees corrupt and all that nonsense because I don't think he was. I think European referees have a different bar in terms of what they pull up and what they don't. And I also think that when you're away from home, you can sometimes run into a bit of an unconscious bias. That's why home advantage in football really is a thing. The crowd, you know, for example, every time Arsenal had a corner or a set piece and we know that they like to block off now and they like to do various different bits and pieces. We constantly saw players dropping to the ground and the crowd behind the goal making a big thing of it. And that has a knock-on effect on the referee and then how he referees the game. It's really important that as fans and as supporters inside the stadium, that we make it really, really hostile for Newcastle, that we kick off at everything, that we um, moan and complain about everything. We need to apply pressure on the referee as the home side. Arteta needs to apply pressure on the officials from the sidelines. Now, I know at times he's, in their eyes, not in mine, crossed the line and got himself in a spot of bother and in a bit of trouble. But he needs to be on them from the very beginning. Because I tell you what, Eddie Howe and his team will be. And they will try and apply every single one of those dark arts that you saw Porto kind of turn to in their kind of attempts to to disrupt us and impact on the the quality of our game. Eddie Howe's going to do all of that stuff. Newcastle are going to do all of that stuff. But being at home, I think we have a a responsibility as fans to really kind of make the most of that and try and apply pressure on the officials. I also think that as fans, we have to be right behind the team from the off. And we also need to, and it's easier said than done, have some patience because we are going to face a low block. There is no doubt in my mind that that's what we're going to come up against. So sometimes you need to be patient. Sometimes you need to keep doing the right things and eventually the crack will appear. Over the course of 90 minutes, if you keep doing the right things, you will create chances. And just to kind of circle back to Porto very quickly, I think one of the big reasons that everybody was really disappointed with that performance and and obviously the outcome in the end was because not only was the outcome not one that we wanted, but we also performed like rubbish really. You know, we, we didn't create anything. We didn't work the goalkeeper once. That was really, really disappointing. So we've got to be better in an attacking sense. It's not just about what Newcastle are going to do. It's not just about the housery, the disruption of the flow, which we know they're going to do their best to make a thing. We also have to be very, very good ourselves, and we have to be sharp, and we have to do all of those right things and do it really, really well. Um, it's Obviously, Mikel Arteta is speaking while we are live. So um, I'm just going to do a couple more bits and then we'll round off the show so that we can be as up to date as possible for those that are watching this back or listening to it back a little bit later on. We'll take um, a peek on X and we'll get some of those quotes from Mikel Arteta's press conference and we'll uh, we'll discuss uh, some of those. Okay, let's um let's start with the statistical bit we we do like one of these, don't we? Um the statistical preview. I like to call it. Where we go over to premierleague.com and we have a look at the history of this particular fixture. 57 head-to-head meetings in the Premier League between these two sides. Arsenal with the far superior record. 34 victories. Newcastle have won on just 12 occasions and there's been 11 draws between the sides. They've only beaten us four times away in Premier League history. So, you know, that's, that's a good sign. But, You know, we we need to be on it this weekend. What's happened in the past doesn't really matter. If you go back over the last five meetings, Arsenal lost at St. James's Park earlier this season in very, very controversial circumstances. It was an absolute disgrace, as Mikel would say. Uh, It was a robbery, and um, I, for one, am still very, very bitter about that. Um, Then you take it back to the 7th of May, where we won 2-0 at St. James's Park. Um, go back to the 3rd of January was the game that I referenced a little bit earlier where they came and they literally slunk the place out um, and, and, you know, caused us some issues. Go back to the 16th of May 2022. That was when we were chasing the top four spot. We were beaten 2-0 that night. That was a really poor performance from us. And then if you go back to Saturday, the 27th of November 2021, we beat them 2-0 at Emirates Stadium. So there have been two victories for Arsenal in the last five uh, one draw, and there have been two Newcastle United wins. So although I talked about the Premier League record overall um, and it being very, very one-sided, if you look back in recent times, uh, it is two wins apiece and a draw out of the last five. So um, it shows you that they've closed the gap, haven't they? And um, and that we need to be bang on it. If you look at the recent form guide, Arsenal have started 2024 in the Premier League like a house on fire. Five wins out of five. Um, Palace 5-0. Forest 2-1, Liverpool 3-1, 6 at West Ham and 5 at Burnley. Feels like there's been a bit of negativity and concern flying around off the back of that Porto result and performance, but this is the Premier League and I think we need to make sure that we compartmentalise that Porto game, lock it up. We worry about that in two, three weeks' time and we turn our attentions back to the Premier League, a competition in which we've been very, very good of late. If you look at Newcastle's record, Two draws, two wins and a defeat in their last five. The defeat came uh, against Manchester City. There's no disgrace in that. Um, I actually thought they played really well that day. Um, The two draws, draws against Luton and Bournemouth, sides that they'd probably be looking to beat. So they'd be a little bit disappointed by that. But they did win away at Nottingham Forest and they did win away at Aston Villa, which is a big result. We weren't able uh, to manage that. So it's a big old result take it on to season so far. Arsenal currently in third place. Newcastle United are down in eight. Now, they've had their fair share of injury problems this season. And I do think that you need to, when you look at their league position, I think you need to apply that context because I've seen a lot of people saying, look at Newcastle. They've dropped off. They're not as good as they were last season. That is correct. However, I think a lot of that is down to the fact that they've been down to their bare bones as a squad more than them regressing as a side. So I took Newcastle very, very seriously last season. I took Newcastle very, very seriously in the opening months of this season. And I think we need to continue to take them very, very seriously because they have the players um, and the means to cause us problems. They've won 11 games this season. We've won 17. They've drawn four. We've drawn four. We've lost four. They've lost 10. Average goal score per match. There's not that much difference in it. Uh, 2.32. Our Arsenal are average at the moment. Newcastle averaging 2.12. Average goals conceded per match. Newcastle nearly at two one point six four. Arsenal just under 1. <coughs> I beg your pardon, at 0.88. I didn't get to the mute button in time. Sorry if you're listening on headphones. Uh, clean sheets, 10 for the Gunners, 7 for Newcastle United. Uh, their biggest win was that 8-0 victory at Sheffield United this season. Ours was a 6-0 win uh, at West Ham. Their worst defeat was a 4-1 at Spurs. Ours was that 2-0 uh, at home to West Ham United. If I take it on to top player statistics, if we look across these two sides, Bukayo Saka leads the way in terms of goals scored in the Premier League. He's got 12 now. Alexander Isak is in second with 10. And Anthony Gordon comes in at third with eight. Uh, he's uh, He's been a real success, I would say at Newcastle after a difficult period at the beginning. I remember when they first signed him, I remember people saying he's fallen out with Eddie Howe, it's not going to work, etc., etc. But he seems to have kind of um, settled down and, and he's doing really well. Assists, Kieran Trippier uh, leads the way across the two teams. He's got 10. Saka comes in at second with seven. And Odegaard comes in at third with six. At tackles, Declan Rice is joint top with Kieran Trippier, 52 tackles apiece. And they're closely followed by Bruno Gimarach, who has 51. Um, don't get me started on Bruno Gimmarais. A bit of bad blood there. Um, after the, the way he behaved, shall we say, in the game at St. James's Park earlier this season? If we talk about the lineup, the starting lineup, I guess the question is, do you think that the team uh that played the other night needs a bit of freshening up? because that team went to West Ham and battered them, went to Burnley and blew them out of the water, then went to Porto. And I've heard some people say looked a little bit leggy. And whilst I don't totally agree with that, I can kind of see where they're coming from. And in an ideal world, if you had options, you'd like to freshen it up. I'd like to get Jesus back in, for example, up front. I'd like to get... um, you know, Thomas Partey and I'd like to get Tommy Asu in maybe at left back. There's loads of things that I'd like to do, but I just, I just don't know who is available and who isn't. And we'll come on to Arteta's comments that he's just literally made in a minute. But, you know, there's been games in recent weeks where he said, you know, there's a few of them. We're hoping to have a few of them back. And then it's been kind of a meal Smith row and you've gone, okay, not bad. And then he doesn't get a look in and, you know, it, it doesn't feel like, we're going to have any of those big players back, you know, Zinchenko, Jesus, Partey. I think you bring those guys back into the equation and all of a sudden you can freshen it up a little bit. You can change it up a little bit. You can give someone a breather here and there. And maybe the level of the team increases as a result of that. But I think we're probably going to see that same 11 start, that the one Based on who we know is available, forget who might be available because that's a whole another rabbit hole to go down. But in terms of who I think um, is going to be available, or, or yeah, I'm pretty confident it's going to be available. I don't think there's too much there to make me want to make a change. I think I spoke about Jorginho coming into the side uh, away at Porto, and I thought that had been the right thing because. You know, we probably needed to be a little bit more conservative away from home. Um, I I said to you guys on the post-match show after the Porto game that actually watching it kind of unfold when he came on, and I know it was the last 20 minutes or so, I then kind of sat back and thought, yeah, you know, maybe this wasn't the right thing. And I'm happy to put my hands up and admit that if Zinchenko's available, I'd play him at left back because I think we're going to need that ball progression, and we're going to need his creativity from those deep areas. If he's not, though, then why take Kivir out? I think he's been fine. I think he's getting better and better in that position. If you bring Jorginho into the midfield, that probably means that you sacrifice one of Havertz or Trossard. And I think, again, given that we're going to face a low block and that we're going to have a lot of the ball and we're going to need A, the runner from deep in Havertz, but also his physical presence, I think, up against them. But maybe Trossard's finishing ability in the sense of if a chance drops to him, if Jesus isn't available, then why would I take any of those two out in favor of a Jorginho who probably isn't what we desperately need in this specific fixture? So I, having said all of that and having thought about this last night, I would probably go with the same team unless a Jesus is back or a Zinchenko's back. If those guys are back then that changes things. And then I would start to consider, I'm not saying I'd definitely do it, but I'd start to consider freshening it up. If that isn't the case, then I don't see why you change the team really, at least from the start of the game. Anyway, it would be great to have some options off the bench that if it is going a little bit stale and we are struggling a bit that you can turn to and call on. But yeah, generally speaking, based on who I know is available, not what I'm guessing might be the case, I, I would go with the same Team again. Uh, let me know you guys' thoughts in the comments section on that. Um, Archangel says, so you'd pick Raya, really? Yeah, because I think that Raya could have done better for the goal, and I expressed that opinion on the uh, on the reaction show to the Porto game, and we spoke about it last night at, at Tom's uh, the Guna Talk live event. And whilst I do think there is a chance that a better goalkeeper saves that. In the sense of, I think there's other goalkeepers that maybe get their footwork right quicker and then launch the dive from a slightly different position, which makes the difference in my opinion. I don't think it's like a glaring, horrible error that is going to be, you know, something that we should be banging on about for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I'll tell you what gets on my nerves more than anything. is people sort of dismissing the fact that in recent weeks, Raya's distribution has been really good, that he's been really dominant coming out, catching crosses, that he's looked like a real safe pair of hands and saying he's too short. The guy's not short. You know, the the, the guy's not, the the reason he got beat the other night is because his footwork wasn't quick enough, in my opinion, not because of his height. And it's, it's just like, it's just lazy stuff. Like, yeah, a bigger goalkeeper has a slight advantage in that sense. There are far bigger goalkeepers than Aaron Ramsdale. I'm not saying Aaron Ramsdale's short. Sure. I'm saying there are far bigger goalkeepers in the game than him. But I saw Aaron Ramsdale get beaten from distance on a few occasions, and I never heard anybody talk about Aaron Ramsdale's height. So the the height thing for me is just like it's just lazy analysis. I, I I'm not really gonna go I, I don't wanna go down that route because I, I, I don't think it's it's really what the crux of the issue is Um, I think actually we had three four opportunities to to deal with that situation and make sure that we saw out the draw uh, and we didn't do that yet yeah I think Raya made a mistake and and Raya could have done better but why would I sit there and and dig out Raya specifically and then not talk about maybe Rice not getting out to his man quick enough or Martinelli giving the ball away it's a catalogue of errors it's it's naive from the team generally speaking and I'm very, very wary of the fact that there are a lot of people out there that absolutely adore Aaron Ramsdale. And rightly so, because he's a great character and he's been a great servant to this football club. But as a result of their affection for Aaron Ramsdale, they're almost looking for reasons to to beat down David Raya. And yeah, you can say that he could have done better on something, but that doesn't mean automatically that everything he's done over the last... Few months where I think he's been improved goes in the bin and now he's no longer the number one. I, I don't think it works like that, right? The same people that were saying you can't do this with goalkeepers, you have to have a number one. You know, you can't have rotating goalkeepers, you must have a number one. I'm now calling for our number one goalkeeper. It doesn't matter if you think he's the number one or I think he's the number one. Mikel Arteta thinks he's the number one. So you're going to slag him off for dropping the previous number one or for saying that he's going to rotate them and saying that you have to have a solid number one. And now he's got a solid number one and he's going to stick with him. You don't want that either. So, yeah, sorry, rant over. Um, in terms of my prediction for the game, I'm going to go with a one nil to the Arsenal late goal. I think is probably uh, the way this is going to go. It's going to be stressful. Going to need a um, a bit of stress relief during the game, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see. That's my prediction. One nil to the Arsenal. Okay, let me um, let me go over to uh, social media and let's see if we can locate some of the quotes uh, that um, Mikel Arteta has been putting out there while speaking uh, ahead of this one. So he talked about um, Thomas Partey. He was asked a question on whether Pate will feature this weekend. And he said, let's see. We have another session today. Obviously, he's been out for many months and we need to nail the timing. The same with Gabriel uh, Jesus. He's done a few things. Alexander Zinchenko is not far away and Tommy Asu is still a bit more. So Tommy Asu must have an injury. It, like we've been saying it since he came back from the Asian Cup. Like, where is he? Like nobody's told us he's got an injury, but he's not available. So he must have an injury. And I think him saying, you know, he's still a f- bit far away probably tells you everything you need to know on that. So to summarise, uh, Partey getting closer, Gabriel Jesus getting closer, Zinchenko not far away, Tommy Asu still needs a bit longer. He was also asked whether Jurian Timber will play this season, and he said, I really hope so. He's doing really well. He's going to start doing some bits with us in the next week or so. We'll see how that evolves. So he's coming back into the uh, full team training picture within the next week or so fingers crossed that goes well but you have to be really careful uh with this um with this kind of stuff you really really do okay um I am going to leave it there because I'm really super pushed for time today I, I apologize but we will be back um very very soon with more uh content the Newcastle review podcast I'm going to do it on Sunday morning because it's going to be a really really late one at the Emirates I'm I'm reporting on the game uh, as well for, for BBC London, which means that I'm not going to get away from the stadium probably until 1130. So by the time I get home, it'll probably be quarter past 12, 1230. And uh, who's going to sit and watch a podcast at that time? And will I have the energy uh, to do a good job of it at that time? Probably not. So uh, I'm going to bring it to you on Sunday morning. We'll aim for 10 a.m. on Sunday morning and we'll, uh, will take you through that game. Fingers crossed we're talking about an Arsenal victory. Thank you as always for for tuning in. I really, really do appreciate it. But you guys know that by now. Uh, I'm going to love you and leave you. I'll catch you all very, very soon. If you want more build up to the weekend, more chat, you can catch me and Sam Parkin on TalkSport 2 from 3 until 6pm. Of course, Uh, Today, we'll be uh, looking at Arsenal and Newcastle. It's one of our fixtures uh, that we're going to be focusing on. We're also going to do a lot on the Carabao Cup final, which takes place this weekend as well, between Chelsea and Arsenal. Uh, Also, if you want a Carabao Cup final preview, go over to the 90min channel where we did one uh, yesterday, uh, which was uh, really, really great fun. I'll be back soon. Until the next one, take care of yourselves. Have a great day. All the best. Come on, you guys.